welcome to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. We've got a, a pretty big episode to get through tonight with our massive, massive clash coming up this week against the Pies, and we thought we'd get in a Collingwood expert to help us with the preview of that game. So I welcome her to the show first, Morgan Ashley. Thanks for coming over. Thanks for having me. Pleasure joining, to be here. Joining the dark side, it's good. Yeah, why not? Absolutely. It's no, a big, it's a big week. Might as well get involved. No, it is a very, very big week. I can't remember the last time both our teams were in the top four and playing each other. No, I don't think I was alive. Yeah, I don't think but, I would um, have been either. But no, it's an exciting time. I like it. Yeah, it is, absolutely. And uh, the, the Richmond person joining us tonight is one of our resident guests, the Lounge Lizard. Welcome to you, mate. Thank you for having me back again, Michaels. And uh, Morgs, I think you look fantastic in your long black. So if you like tonight, uh, there is room on the train for one more. Oh, well, I it's don't... Just, it's getting a bit Apparently, pushy, there's no room on the train. Well, it's, no. a, bit, it's a bit time. But From what I hear, the train is full of bandwagoners at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe we can Photoshop her, like a Richmond jumper, onto her like we've done with Tom Lynch throughout the years, and we can we can make that your new avatar or something like that. Oh, I'll probably lose a bet this week, so it might be my avatar anyway. <laughs> well, I don't make bets anymore after I have one with Wachette. And uh, I was very certain of it coming off, and and it didn't. And she certainly made me pay for it. Uh, I've got one with Bushette that's going to see me uh, as a West Coast supporter all year next year. So I'm really grateful for that. Oh no, yeah, that's that's. Not, <laughs> I, I refuse to make those kind of bets because it's always bound to backfire. Especially being a Richmond supporter, we're always bound to let ourselves down at some stage. And well, Bushette does have this bizarre way to not lose bets. I don't think I've ever seen her lose one. Yeah, I wasn't really for, expecting for them nice, to finish second, nice so. <laughs> yeah. right, we'll start off with your game first, Morgs. The Pies last week, I actually sat down and watched this game, defeated the Kangaroos by 66 points. I don't know about you, but when I heard that Darcy Moore was a laid out, I thought you were a very good chance to drop that game. Um, what sort of spurred him on to, you just smashed him from the get-go, it was unbelievable. Yeah, I think the first couple of minutes were shaky and they had a couple of shots at goal and missed. And when I was heading to my seat and I heard Darcy was out, I thought this is not going to end well for us. You don't lose a key back and then bring in Josh Dacos, who's done very little. Um, so I thought we'd struggle, especially with their tools. But um, we just – it all just clicked on Saturday. Um, we seemed to be faster than them. We were harder at the contest – I've never seen as many blood rules in my life as I've seen on Saturday. Yeah, there was a lot. I think um, I said to a, a friend at some stage that kangaroos almost had no one left in their bench because they were all off getting patched up. Yeah, so at one stage they had Thompson on the bench, Goldstein came to the bench, Anderson, Zeeble, and Thompson had five, I think, blood rules for his yeah. broken nose. It, there just seemed to be a stop in play every couple of minutes when someone went off bleeding, um, and they couldn't. They couldn't cover the holes when they had so many people off the ground. Um, and, yeah, I think for the first time this year we put in a four-quarter effort, which was impressive. Um, oh, we weren't too bad against Melbourne, I guess, but this was the first time that we've really won every quarter. And, uh, yeah, I can't remember the last time we had a 10-goal win. So, yeah, it was a good game. The player that impressed me the most in the first quarter that Kangaroos just literally couldn't contain was my check. So I'm not, I'm not sure where he, he's kind of come from, but um, he really stepped up and was pretty much the difference in that first quarter. Yeah, um, I guess this year the the best part of our forward line has been that we've had so many mo- so many 
avenues to goal. Um, and this week, I guess it was Majacek's turn to stand up, and he was really good in the first quarter. Went absolutely missing in the second and third when they locked down on him, but in in that instance, someone else stepped up. But he was really good, um, very accurate, good overhead. Um, he's just got a strong body because he's not young. He's come from the VFL, and it's just good to see him taking his opportunity when he gets it. And looking at your four line, it kind of has a lot of similarities to us from last year where you're pretty much forced to play a medium-sized, small forward line duty at the injuries that you've got, which we'll get to later on. Um, do you think this has been a bit more of a benefit for you guys, a bit of an, like a surprising benefit? Yeah, well, I, I think it's just born out of necessity, unfortunately. We just don't have the tall forward stocks that other teams seem to have. I don't know where they find them. They must grow on trees, but we're not picking the right ones. Um, so we've got a whole fleet of six-foot guys who are kicking goals for us at the moment, but um, it, I definitely don't think that was the plan, but at least we've got Hoskin Elliott who's delivering um, way above what we paid for him. Um, Josh Thomas has had a resurgence since coming back, um, which has been really impressive to watch. is really hitting some form. Um, Majacek's doing his bit. Cox brings the ball to ground. Um, so well, if someone told me that was our forward line at the start of the year, I, there's no way I think we were in the top, in the top eight. So Yeah. No, they've, they've, they've definitely adapted really, really well. Big Cox, he's been huge. Um, pardon the pun. But um, his <laughs> improvement from when we played you early on in the season to now has been huge. He's clunking the ball now. His set shots for goal are quite good. So I think he's become a pretty vital part to your team. I'm not sure if it was was the Richmond game where he just couldn't mark the ball he all day. He dropped about 16 marks. He yeah. just couldn't catch yeah. anything. And, like, he couldn't have caught a cold that day. It was so bad. I've never seen a player look so just out of their depth. And But he's very persistent and he keeps going. And even that day, he went at every contest, even though he was dropping everything. Um, and I guess it's quite an admirable trait. He is learning the game. But he's picking up pretty quickly. Um, He's starting to run. He runs to the right spaces now. He's learning to time his leads a bit better. He doesn't have soft hands, so marking is not the greatest. But he can kick well. Um, So he's a project player that's coming along. Absolutely. I caught it three years ago, actually. Um, actually, There's a thread on the Richmond board you'd probably find somewhere. uh, At least three or four years ago, whenever it was. Saying, I reckon this guy can play. I, I saw a lot of qualities in him early on. Um, so it's no surprise to me that he's come on leaps and bounds the way he has. Yeah, it's yeah, credit to, just the, to the work that the Collingwood staff have put into him. I mean, he's as raw as raw could be with no exposure to the game. Um, and he's, he's stepping up on the big stages as well. It's not like he's just doing it against like Carlton every week, if you know what I mean. He's actually stepping up in big occasions and um, playing an important role. Right. His best games have been the games with a big crowd, with big stakes on the line, and he he loves it. He lives for it. So hopefully when Saturday comes around, he can do it again. Did you happen to watch One this game, Lange Lizard? I did. I saw parts of it, uh, Michael's, um, throughout the day. And obviously what you guys touched on is pretty much where it's at for me. Um, I was quite impressed with some of the kids that Collingwood were playing, in particular... Uh, Takeos as well. I wasn't too sure if he was a, a draftee on on name rather than 
potential. I think where we've possibly seen that caution with uh, Son of Sauce. Um, he'll be lucky to be on the list in, in a year's time. Yeah. Um, he, he, he seemed to play well. I thought he really did play well. Um, Dacos, that is. Uh, and it again, definitely was his best game. Was his yeah. best games of his career. Yeah, and he, he looked comfortable at the level. Um, and I, don't know, I, think, I think they say it takes about 50 to 100 games before you are comfortable. But he, he looked it early on. Um, and as you guys touched on, with, with more being out, um, I was... Sort of, I was I was really interested to see him back in the side, and actually, how would he would he upset the defence, which has probably been um, your strongest point this season. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, until Dunn went down, uh, you guys were you know holding that really firmly. Um, I did hear Jeremy Howe on the radio the other day just saying that you know um, no one's had to pick up the leadership in his absence. Everyone just knows what to do, and everyone's quite open with talking to each other. Um, and obviously, having seen how Richmond developed last year, that's a really interesting comment from mine, which just sort of shows that the club are very. Everyone knows what they're doing, and there's sort of no way goes there. Um, I think it's been quite evident this year. And watching the game, you could see that that this wasn't the Collingwood. That you, I think that game probably proved to everyone that this isn't the Collingwood that we've seen the last two or three years, um, and that this is a new Collingwood, and possibly this is the team that Buckley had been working for post the 2011 Grand Final, perhaps the 2012 Final Series. Mm. Um, And I've always been a Buckley advocate. I've always thought he can coach. He's on the right idea. Uh, I think he's starting to see that now with Collingwood, the way they're playing. And uh, unfortunately, I think there is some element of them doing what we did last year on the back of a softer draw, getting momentum. Um, A bit like us, playing a a unique forward line due to necessity. Um, and players who seem to be playing for it, everyone. So I, it was an interesting game for me to watch from seeing what we did last year um, into the mindset of the players and the way the club went about the day. Watching the game as well, it, it, I felt like I was watching one of our games in terms of how they were going about their pressure, which was interesting because Buckley did say a while ago that they had no intentions of copying our game style, but it, for, to me it looked like it was identical. I think when you watch the earlier Collingwood games from earlier in the year, they were playing a very different style of football um, and have modified, as all teams do. Um, I think we, we look back now in hindsight and realise it was round six the first time last year that we we play the the forward structure that we end up taking on. Um, and the game very much revolved post-round six with what we're trying to do. Um, but you can see the way that the club is playing that... Um, the pressure's there, um, and I think pressure is ninety percent buy-in um, rather than a skill or a training application. Um, so I think you can see the way the game plan's modified. There's certainly been a buy-in throughout the season. And um, yeah, so you must be just pretty stoked with how it's all going there, Morgs. I mean, did you at the start of the year did you anticipate you would be sitting where you are now on third in the ladder? Absolutely not. Um, but I've always been a believer in Bucks. I was never one of the Sack Buckley Brigade, um, despite what some of my friends on the Collingwood board uh, may believe. <laughs> um, I've I've always been a believer. I thought he spoke really well. Um, he's always been good in the media. But I, I just had faith that it would turn around. And I'm really, really pleased for him that it seems to have done that. And I know that's off the back of a quite a soft draw. But you can only beat who's been put in front of you, and we've done that. So 
we'll just keep going. And we, and we had that last year. We had the soft draw, but once you get a bit of momentum, marks and wins, um, it can momentum is probably the most powerful thing in sport. Yeah. Um, and also, it's what, what you touched on before, Buckley in the media. I think one of his detriments um, as a football lover who, who watches every show and tries to analyse as much as I can. Um, I love watching him talk because of how honest he is, but I suppose at times he's been too honest in the past and shot himself in, in the foot a bit um, and maybe not towed the line that the, the Collingwood fans want to hear as opposed to the, the football fans. Um, so I'm I, like you, I, I could see what he was building there. Um, if anything, he'd possibly been at times too honest and maybe that's, you know, wasn't what people wanted to hear, but the similarities between Collingwood this year and us of last year are, uh, are quite quite strong, yeah. really. Well, people don't want to be told that they're on the right track when all they're seeing when in results-wise is losses. Like, how can we possibly be on the right track? But those people are simpletons, so that's okay. So would you say then Carlson are on the right track? Or you... <laughs> no, they're not even on a track. No, I agree. They are not on a track at all. It, it, it and, is, and I hope they stay on whatever they're on. That merry-go-round, <laughs> that can continue. It is an interesting point, just ever so quickly, Mark was on that, that, you know, people don't want to hear when they're, you know, when it's not happening, when we can't see what's going on inside the club. And if you ever get the chance, Morgs, I mean, try and get a copy of the Richmond book as a football fan. It's a great read because they just go into detail of at no point throughout the year was Hardwick not being coach a consideration. Um they knew what he was trying to do. They could see what he was trying to do. And, the, you know, the idea to play the small forward line, we started to see that a year or two ahead of time with some of the, the testing results our players were having and um, some of the guys that were coming through the system. So the club knew that, you know, they had to just be patient, hold firm with what was going on because they had, they had the testing there. And Collingwood clearly had that. And I think it goes to show when you get it wrong, like a Brisbane of recent times up until this season or, or Carlton right now that you know you, you at least with Richmond you could see what they're trying to do Collingwood you could see what they're trying to do at Carlton at the moment I mean it seems like off the field the club's in shambles um, and at least Richmond and Collingwood and stuff like that we, we didn't have that that problem but I mean the guys like Carlton and everything I mean they're miles off it because it doesn't matter what they do on field the off field needs to be fixed and, and they're yeah. so far away from it yeah I went to a um player sponsorship night a couple of weeks ago and it was just a little intimate setting with um, Gary Hockey and Brad Gotch, so two of our coaching assistants, and they talked us through the change in mindset um, of the coaches over the last couple of years. So in the aspect that we develop players and we put all this time and effort into developing players, we don't really do the same with the coaches. So they've started to develop the coaches and work on things with them to make them better people to get better results out of the players. I think that's brought a lot out of our players this year and they've got a better connection with the coaches. Coaches have a better understanding of the players. One of the things that came from that is rather than focusing on on what our players couldn't do, we were going to focus on what our players could do um, and just change the mindset from a coaching perspective and see what we can do to make something happen. And I think a perfect result of that is Chris Main. Rather than concentrating on what he couldn't do, they've turned it around and got him playing a brand of football that sees him in our best 22 at the moment. Hopefully not forever, but... 
and at I think the, at Mason, the moment it's working. I need to ask you a Mason question Cox on Chris is Mayne. Mason a fun example of that too. Yeah. But with Chris Mayne, honestly, there's been speculation going around about this. From a Collingwood perspective, do you think that at the time that you made that trade that someone at your club thought they were getting David Mundy instead of Chris Mayne? Given how much you're paying him, that, that can only be the possible explanation. I don't know what Gubby Allen was doing when he signed him for that amount of money and for that many years, but something went wrong. Yeah, but I mean, like you said, yeah, look, credit to him. He's turned himself around and he's playing regular football now, but for a long time there, that, that it's still a mind-blowing signing based on the uh, dollars and length, but well, hopefully if he can get reward at the end, then he's done the right thing. He's still not worth half of the money that we're paying him, no. but he's playing a role. It's on par with Victory going really... to Hawthorne for 500000 That's how bad it was. You know, I think what happened, I, I watched a lot of Frio in the era that they were up towards the top of the ladder. And um, that's how they were an adopted second team for me, really, when Hawthorne were winning all the flags. And I think when you watch him play, I mean, he was such an important cog in the Ross Lyon uh, system that his strengths were, were shown. I mean... You know, I mean, Ross Lyon builds it all on defensive strength, and that's what he did. And he worked in a side that allowed him to play that with guys like Ballantyne and Hill rolling forward. I mean, obviously Pavlich as well, who, who was very much a um, in in form player at the time. Um, and he was allowed to roam forward and put defensive pressure on and guard that 50 meter arc. And I think what happens when you take your player like that out of the system, um, you, you start to see everything else that's wrong with them. And I think you know. They spoke about this recently with um, the Gold Coast Suns apparently chasing Kane Lambert. Of you take a role player out of a role out of a role, and you know he, he, they're not the player you're expecting. I think it's kind of what happened with Collingwood. I, I think they just focused on what he was doing at Fremantle as opposed to what he would do at Collingwood. It's an interesting take on it. No doubt there's some some merit to that for sure. Uh, Lounge Lizard, on to our game. The Tigers knocked off St Kilda by 54 points. Uh, the f- first half I thought was pretty good, don't you reckon? We we sort of lit it up a bit and ran away with it, but the second half was a bit boring. I'm gonna li- I-, I won't lie to you, Michaels. Um, I didn't see the game again this Are week. Are you I was kidding? Having two sex. weeks in a row you've no, come I'll... on, or two times you've come on and you haven't watched the game. <laughs> you could My tell defense. me this in the, in, the, in the PM so I could at least work out something around it. <laughs> I genuinely was having sex, but in my defence, I was thinking about the game at the time. Wow. Yeah, okay, well, I'll just review the game on Morgs. Did you watch I, it? We can review the game if you I, watched it. I can no, say, I, I watched it. Oh, there is, you go. Well, Lizard, you can just uh, pipe try. down for a second. We'll review the game. Right. <laughs> I'm an oh, avid like, Richmond watcher. Wow, this is, this is extraordinary. Two times you've done this. You, you, you're heading towards Wacko Jacko territory at this rate. Um, yeah, what did you I make of this, our... I'm watching this fix. What's that? I'm watching this week, so I assure you. Okay. No, of course I'll, you are. I'll keep that in mind for next week's episode. <laughs> uh, what did you make of our first half, Morgs, given that you, you actually watched the game as well? Um, I thought, thought it was a pretty impressive game by you guys. Um, in saying that, your opposition has been talked up a lot in the last couple of weeks for little to no reason. Yeah, I thought they were going to be a lot better than what they were. Given they won three of their last four, I really did think that they were going to sort of come out firing, particularly in the first but quarter. But who did they play, Michaels? 
I know, I know they weren't, but it was still a confidence thing. And like Liz had said before about momentum and confidence, it was still there, and they were starting to look like they were starting to believe into the game plan that Alan Richardson's trying to teach them. But yeah, from from about three minutes in, I thought, oh, they're in a bit of trouble here, the Saints, because we just seem to be all over them. Um, Prestia, for mine, was our our best player. It was twenty six touches, three goals. Uh, he's been he was huge. Yeah, he's been a fantastic pickup for you guys. And Dusty was back to somewhere near his best, which was good. And uh, Dylan Grimes had another good game as well. Um, but young Higgins, he I know we've spoken about him before a bit, Lounge Lizard, but his midfield work again was pretty good. He kicked a goal, but the thing that still worries me about him is his set shot conversion is still horrible. Yeah, I think a lot of that will come with um, nerves leading to it. Um, he, he seems a very hyper-nervous person as opposed to, say, uh, Jack Graham in the grand final last year. He's a very relaxed country character where Higgins seems to be very much more of a naturally excited guy. And I think, you know, you put in the adrenaline of football and that doesn't help. Um, I think we saw that earlier on with a lot of the fumbles he was doing. So I think it's going to take some more time to ease into it. But... Um, I think they will disperse as he gets more comfortable at the level. Um, but, you know, uh, it, it is it is an issue, and that's why uh, I think I said the other week that I'd like to see Townsend come in, um, particularly against Collingwood, uh, to try and level out some of that because we can't be relying on Jack kicking bags every week. Yeah, I mean, he, and Jack Castagna was obviously four is, goals, which was handy. Um, Castagna played, he backed up his game from last week with another shocker, to be honest couple of mm. real average kicks inside 50 and just didn't get near it. And I was saying to some mates, once we had established that lead, I actually thought we might have been better off to try and actually feed him the ball to try and get him a couple of goals, whether they were cheap goals, whatever it might have been, just to build his confidence back up. But he, he just looks shot at the moment with his confidence. It's, it, the one interesting thing, though, is when Rioli was out, the Butler and Castagna weren't playing well, weren't in form. As soon as he came in, the three of them seem to click in a certain way, and they all play well. Now Butler's out, one of the two who less are struggling. So I think what's, uh, I think what could be interesting to note when Butler comes back is will he come back in form? Is he now trying to do too much to compensate? Um, and I, I'm a bit hesitant to 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 want to drop him. Um, I think until we see a run of games like this with the three of them in. Um, because I think the three of them really are uh, uh, one element altogether. Yeah, they they do. They work as a unit. But we've still got Stengel banging down the door in the VFL and Liam Baker as well knocking down the door to come in and get a game. So at the same time, we can't sort of keep holding out, waiting for other people to come back and he's still got to perform on his own merit on a week-to-week basis. But I think they'll keep him in this week. I think you kind of have to... Um against Collingwood because the midfield so good that they can get back. Um, I think we need to hope that he can turn it on or, you know, he's a guy that you, you're you going to have the defenders keeping an eye on either way because he gets a lot of the football. He gets to the right places. What he does with it is another matter altogether. Yeah. Um, but he gets to the right places. So as far as Collingwood's concerned, you have to have an eye on him. Um, defensively, you got to be aware that he's there. Um, I think that's probably his greatest strength. Um I still think we need to bring a guy like Townsend in. Um, uh, I think because Townsend can, a guy like Howe would run with a guy like Townsend. Um, and I think we take the risk of Howe getting off Townsend um, and intercepting, but Townsend's proven to be quite good at holding down the intercept guys. Um, he did all final series last year. 
Yeah, um, and seems to be in, in some form in the VFL as well. I mean, we kind of got this interesting situation now where um, we got a lot of guys in the VFL in form. Um, so it's really luck of the draw of who comes in and who goes out. Um, I think Townsend. Obviously, I didn't see the game, but I think Townsend's probably the the obvious in. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll leave Constantia in there for another week. Um, but I think we're certainly very lucky that Lyndon Dunn isn't in the Collingwood side. Yeah, otherwise that would expose us big time. The the other big Absolutely. thing to come from that game was that $1.4 million was raised for Matty Rewalt's vision, thanks to the government kicking in a $1 million, but that's a super effort by the Rewalt family and everyone who chipped in to raise that kind of money um, for their charity. So well done to everyone on that front as well. Okay, Indeed. we'll move on to the roast and toast, which hopefully you, you did prepare something for Lounges, given that was in the PM. But, uh, Morgs, I'll start with you first. <laughs> you had the roast for this week. What have you got? Oh, I think Morgs dropped out. We're having a quality episode at the moment. Uh, <laughs> Lounges, you can keep, you <laughs> well, can go so ahead then mind. with the toast then if you want. Oh, hang on, she's back. There uh, you go, Lounges. Oh, uh, you are there? All right. Oh, no you're way. there. Uh, right. So I'm roasting, am I? No, you can toast. Morgs can do the roast. My toast, right. Yeah, you got the toast, Lizard. Okay, uh, the toast is... Um, well, uh, I think the toast really goes to Jack Rewalt. Um, he's in some excellent form at the moment. Uh, he's backing up week after week. He's, he's 30 in October. Um, and with already with two All-Australians, two commas behind him, and now a premiership, it would be very easy for him to drop off. Uh, if anything, he's taking his game to a new level. Obviously, he's settled now. He's married and everything like that. Uh, so it's great to see him doing well on the field. Um, and I just think he, he's, he's there was talk this morning that he's already in discussions about a contract extension. Uh, he's contracted at the end of next year, but an extra to take him for three years, um, which will take him to about 32, 33. Um, and I think it's fantastic. He, he wants to be on board and... Assuming possibly on low money here with all the talk of uh, Tom Lynch, of course. Um, but I, I, I think it's great to see him inform him. Much maligned player for a long time. Uh, had the self-imposed media ban. Ha- had issues with speaking out to the media. Particularly about Hardwick. And I think to turn around the way he has, it's just been fantastic. It's great to see him playing well. And uh, I think we're very lucky he's not a free agent and we're not a mediocre side because right now, uh, I, I think there's no doubt you command him big dollars on the open market. Yeah, I agree. And the, the contract thing does kind of sound like they're we're just re-signing all of our A-graders to, to so spread out their payments over a longer period of time to hopefully land Tom Lynch, potentially. But um, no, I agree. Credit to him for turning it around. And I think it's great that he's in the leadership group and he's having another cracking season. Uh, Morgan, what have I'll you got for us? You got the, do... oh, sorry, Lounge. I was going to say, I, I think with the signs we're doing you know, at Rance recently and all of this, that if we if we are getting Tom Lynch, and let's make the assumption now that we are, um, I would think Tom Lynch's contract would be heavily backloaded. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if these some of these guys are getting quite heavily front-loaded now. Um, waiting for that middle ground in two or three years when, when Arioli's and Butler's and Stanley's and Lambert's and stuff like that, these guys have to come out of contract again, um, possibly with a flag or two under the belt and, you know, hopefully some more Australians. So I think signing these guys now is quite, is quite a good idea. Uh, so I'm not surprised to see these guys signing on. Absolutely. Uh, and Morgs, you've got the roast for us this week. Yeah. My roast is going to go to Tom Brown. Oh, thank um, God. Tom Brown decided that he was going to run with um, 
a story yesterday that Teal Sidebottom was having sur- having surgery on his um, fractured jaw, which appears to not be fractured at all. Brain fine today. Um, and also Tony Sheen, who went with, he had surgery last night at 9pm. Um, I saw that tweet. I just, wasn't sure if he was taking, taking the piss just, out of Tom Brown or not, but yeah, it was stupid either way. They just hold, they're, they're not held to account, these idiots. Like, how you can run with that with no information, I've just got no idea. Where would they get that from? He's an absolute dolt. Yeah, no, I agree, and it's been one of my pet hates for a while that you're spot on. They don't get held to account at all. They're just free to make whatever calls they want, slander, you know, players names across the media, and there's no repercussions. But um, Tom Brown's had some pretty poor form, even with the trade stuff, whether it was McGovern or... I think he, about a week ago, said that McGovern was a pretty hot chance to go to Sydney. Then a week later, signs at West Coast for five years. Wasn't he the one who also said Sloan was going to St Kilda and the next day Sloan resigned? Yeah, possibly. I reckon people just feed him stuff just because he's stupid enough to believe it and run with it. Or he uses big footy. <laughs> well, I think he spent, I, I... spent a little bit too much time on the Scandals and Rumours board. <laughs> Needs to expand his network of contacts because he's not getting anything right. No, it's... Yeah, no, I'm right with you there. There's... It's nothing worse than seeing people do that. But anyway, they're never going to change, are they? Well, no. not until we hold them to account, they're not. It's interesting, though, on Twitter, because uh, with the power of social media, more and more people are sort of retweeting and calling them out when they do get something wrong. But there's never an apology. There's never an acknowledgement that they stuffed up. They just kind of ignore it and carry on. Um, what's interesting, too, is these guys aren't putting it in their articles. Um I would would think that um, the Herald Sun is saying, if you've got something as big as this, we want it in the paper. Um, so I, I think there's something very interesting there as well, that a lot of these false things are on personal Twitter accounts where, where their employers aren't held responsible. And clearly, I, I think it's a sure sign that it's not true because if it was true, uh, their contract would probably stipulate that it goes into the Herald Sun or the age um, for, the, for, for the hits. Uh, and I don't think there's ever been anything true has been broken on Twitter for that reason. You know, this stuff's still coming out in articles, you know, when it happens. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. It's, yeah, if it's big enough, the paper's going to want it for their own rights. But All right, we'll push on to the big preview of our game. Um, just a, a few formalities to get through first. Firstly, the Tigers have hit 100,000 members today, Lizard. How, how's that? I mean, who would have thought... It'll be the first club to reach that milestone. It's a pretty big effort by everyone involved. Yeah, no, it's great. I actually misread it when I saw it on my phone today. I thought we hit one million, and uh, <laughs> I thought that was a fair. I thought that was a fair achievement. Um, but no, hundred thousands, uh, fantastic. Uh, I think we were at eighty-five thousand before we, you know, we even looked like a chance for a flag. So, you know, a lot of rusted on guys and. Um, you know, the Collingwood, of course, is similar to this Morgs and in fact, we've got a great fan base that, that that want to get behind and put money into the club. And you know, it wasn't that long ago we were we were broke and uh, with debt. Uh, so, um, and you know, not so long ago that we're broken with debt again. So, um, you know, it's, it's great to see it, and I think it's a great reward for the football club more than anyone else to see that people actually getting behind and putting their hands into their pockets. Well. And it's important to note there's a lot of people out there who are a bit salty about the fact that we've hit 100,000 saying they're all pet memberships and all that kind of stuff. 
And while the club does sell them, as does every other club, to qualify for a membership number, it has to be at least a $50 membership with access to games. So those pet numbers are not included into that final figure. So anyone who's trying to discredit it, you can stop right now because it's not included. I think it, it does it does definitely deserve some credit as to where both of our clubs have come from, um, especially like early 90s when we were both very much struggling financially and got ourselves back to being at the top of the league um, without the handouts that other teams have had to um, deal with. So credit to you guys. Congratulations on having a quarter of your membership base being bandwagoners and uh, long mate rank. <laughs> And that's the tricky part, isn't it? It's all good and well to hit that number, which is fantastic, but is it going to be maintained? Or well, it's it... not It's not sustainable. Um, and the thing is, as soon as the success goes, those supporters, they, the supporters stay, the members don't stay. Um, so, like, our, our membership, I think, peaked in 2014, um, given we didn't play finals the year before. It's a fair effort. Um, but since then has definitely decreased. Um, it be interesting to see where you guys go from here. Yeah, it doesn't leave a lot I of I think it's probably more so... I think also more so, like, you know, three-game memberships and half-game memberships are more... They're more uh, available than they were in years gone by. And you know, if you only need $50 of a membership to count... Um, I think for all clubs, the membership numbers will grow or, or balance out because I think people who want to be a member but perhaps can't go or, or just want to support the club, um, it, it's an easy way. It's, a, it's an easy way to do it. I know with my membership, I, I don't think I haven't used it in years. I always use the MCC um, personally, but you know it's, it's two hundred dollars a year to just help out the club. Uh, it doesn't really hurt me. I don't really think about it. So. I think it's probably a lot of members like that too who who just roll it over for the sake of, you know, uh, every dollar helps. But if you were looking to get a ticket to this game this week, you could quite easily pick up a three-game membership which would get you a ticket to this game for $60. Yeah, I mean, I I tend to think that memberships for that reason probably shouldn't be sold after round 10. Um, Okay. Kind of for that reason, if you really want to take that ballot round 18, then fork out for a ticket. Um, yeah. That being said, the AFL's bullshit variable pricing scheme doesn't doesn't really help. Uh, but I, I I agree with you on that. I, th- I think um, uh, there should be a cap on when you can be selling memberships. Certainly, like the fact we hit it is a great number. But again, we have hit it what five weeks out from the season ending. The other um, problem we're going to run into as well, and every, any other club would be the same when they have a big increase, is if you're playing finals, then obviously the number of people trying to access those final tickets grows by quite a bit. And then there's the potential that the people who have been long-standing members miss out in a ballot to people who have just signed up for the first time. Um, is there any kind of solution or thoughts on that? Like I've always had a problem with this. Um, as somebody who attends every week and I don't know if you can punish those who don't attend by not putting them in the ballot but the fact that some people get to turn up to the MCG on the last day in September and see a grand final when others who go every week don't get that opportunity doesn't sit well with me. Yeah it's interesting I mean I 
you know, if you say you don't go every week, you can't get in. As I said, I, I the games I go to most weeks usually through the yeah. walking through the MCC because, of course, if it's an away game, it's, it's just a free way to get in. But um, you know, you, obviously, if it's someone like me, if that's a ruling, then you know, it, it wouldn't. I could also walk in with Norwich membership and make sure I'm not paying either way. Um, I, I think it's a, it's, it's a tough one. You know, there are guys who, who probably miss out. Um, I was very fortunate to go last year through my membership um, in the ballot, um, and even then, there was a standing room section. Um, but I think really, I mean, this, this comes back to the AFL pandering to the corporates and the fact that was it's, it's only twenty five thousand tickets I think available to each club. And no, it's less. It's seventeen and a it, half. Seventeen seven and, and a half. half. Uh, it, it's just Crazy. not enough. It's um, you, you know, at the end of the day, we're the ones really propping up the league and the clubs. Um, and I think the AFL has gone. So uh, we we've seen it now with the the broadcast situation that. You know the AFL they they sold their soul to get 1.3 billion dollars. We're now seeing it um, in the broadcasting and the Channel Seven dictating so much of the fixture. Um, and I, I think this is the shame of of the, of the game going going too corporate. Um, and I'm all for growth in, in football, but I do agree I do agree with the sentiments that the AFL have gone uh, too far corporate in recent times. Yeah, they've gone way too far. And one of the bugbears for me is all the other every AFL club gets. I think it's something like four thousand tickets or two thousand tickets to each club, even if they're not participating, to put into packages and do whatever. Now, I think those tickets are best served to go out to the two participating clubs and get more of their members in because that's who it's all about at the end of the day when it comes to going to watch the game. Absolutely. All right, we'll take a look at the big game this week, Richmond versus Collingwood, as we said at the start of the show. First versus third in something that I don't think any of us have ever been alive to witness, so it promises to be a really good game. Uh, Morgs, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on the game, and where do you think it's going to be won and lost for the Pies? Um, I'm nervous already. Um, I, <laughs> I never saw us as being a threat to Richmond. Um, clearly, you guys... Are an absolute front runner for the flag this year. Um, so to even be in the discussion is something that I'm shocked about. Um, I think that it'll be a good game. I think that if our midfield is on and running both ways, that will very much aid our backline, um, who we've tested last week against a much taller defence, and we had to have Sharonberg play taller than he is, how play taller than he is. Um, so I guess that's something that we won't have as much of a problem with this week, considering that your forward line's a bit smaller. Um, but I'm definitely not going in confident. What about you, Lizard? What's your thoughts on the game, given you'll be, you'll be watching this one? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. Um, I made sure to keep my weekends free from any horizontal refreshment. Um but no, I, I I think this game was played three weeks ago. Actually, I wouldn't be very confident at all, and I think Collingwood would be a good chance to roll us. Um, I think we're just hitting some very nice form at the moment, and hopefully, I think we're peaking at the right time. I've been confident in us going back to back quite vocally. Um, I think we've hit form perfectly. Um, that being said, it's very hard to write Collingwood off. I mean, they are a very good football side, and they're well drilled, and they believe in each other. Um, and as I said, that's a big thing. Uh, I think we'll win. I think we might win quite comfortably, but again, uh, that's really dependent on what Collingwood turns up. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's just fantastic. I think it's great for the AFL. It's great for the footy public to see uh, a strong Richmond Collingwood uh, on a Saturday afternoon at the MCG. And one yeah. of the contests I'm looking forward to seeing is Nankervis versus Grundy. Uh, now, Morgs, Grundy's been in pretty good form this year. Um, how do you sort of see that one playing out? Um, yeah, the only time that Brody's really had his colours lowered this year is against Nankervis. Um, that was definitely his worst game for the year. Um, so it would be interesting to see how he backs that up. He's not the kind of player who likes to lose, and he definitely would have that in the back of his mind that Nankervis got the better of him last time. Um, so I expect to see a much better performance from Brody this week. And Lynn, Liz, what about uh, Dugowie? He's the informed man for the Pies. He kicked four goals last week. I'm guessing when he's playing four that we're going to send Dylan Grimes to him as our shutdown player. How do you think he's going to go on Dugowie? Look, firstly, I love Dugowie. I love the fact that he's got that bit of uh, laddishness in him. Um, like I think he's the, great. He's got a bit of swagger. Yeah, and everything off off the field. I, I love the the aura of it. You know, I mean, Collingwood's always had their uh, their Dugowie style of player, and I, it's great to see one at the moment. And um, I, I think it's fantastic. I think it's brilliant football, and I think it's a shame that he he re-signed because I would have happily had him at Tigerland. Um, but certainly, when he goes forward, I think it'd be Grimes' issue and. Uh, It'd be interesting if Grimes can shut down a player of Dugowie. Um I think Dugowie is such a dangerous player. Grimes does play very well in the smaller forwards, but Dugowie is that in-between height. And uh, he's very strong overhead. And uh, I think that would be, you know, if you're going to try and catch him like Grimes out, Grimes great with getting his fist in for the spoil on a, on a low chest pass. But I think if it's in the air, um, that becomes Rance has to pull off and go to him. And if Dugowie is dangerous and Rance is focused on him and we leave Mason Cox open, uh, as we've mentioned, touched on before, Cox could do some damage. So it would very much be a team defence to shut down the Collingwood forward line. Um, yeah. So I, as much as Dego is a threat, when he hasn't been, somebody else has stepped up. So if Dego doesn't get you, Hoskin Elliott stands up. He's been or Stevenson, or, or Stevenson props up. Like, Hoskin Elliott's been fantastic. Um, yeah. I didn't and, and, think and, he had this in him, but... Like, overhead, his marking is amazing for someone of his size. He looks like a slender little thing, but he's strong overhead and kicks the ball beautifully. So even if you do manage to shut down one of them, one of the others is likely to pop up. And I think the most dangerous one is Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am weary of putting too much time into him because of Dugowie, but I'm weary of Dugowie. I think Stevenson could get loose. Um, I, I think the, the biggest way for us to stop Collingwood um, or to restrict them from scoring is is going to be absolute pressure in the midfield at the yep. ball-winning situation. We've got to make Collingwood the means. We've got to put them under so much pressure they're bombing the ball forward. And now our defenders can zone off and read off, which is our strongest point. And that's what a lot of clubs play into our hands. And Adelaide did it last year by bombing the ball forward. Um, we're going to... We're going to bite it off and, and, and run away with it every time. It's the very careful football um, that we saw GWS do with the kicking um, is the way to cut us up. Uh, so if we can really put the pressure on in the midfield and, and stop Colin with the cold face, that's going to be a big thing to stop him. If we give him room and get like let Pendlebury and guys like, and Sidebottom have space, um, then it, we're going to make it a lot harder for ourselves. Absolutely. Uh, now, Morgs, I need you to clarify a rumour for me. There's been some small talk floating around the footy circles that Collingwood have some injuries. Is this true? 
Um, I haven't heard it. Haven't heard? Is it, okay. No. Is is that like a Twitter rumor or something? Tom yeah, Brown a little bit on yeah, a little bit on Twitter and Facebook. So, so you don't. This think guy the went to Melbourne no University. He did. Mm. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, it's not something that I've heard, but um. Um, I'll get back to you if I hear anything about it. Yeah, that, that'd be fantastic. Speaking of changes, though, do you do you have any players on the verge of coming back in? I know Jamie Elliott and Fasolo played in the VFL on the weekend and got five goals between them. Are they a chance to be thrown back in, or do you reckon you'll give them another week? Um, I hope they're not thrown back in, um, just because I where those players would be playing, I don't think anyone in our forward line deserves to go out. Um, so I don't think that having them in the side this week against Richmond would be of benefit. Give them another run. Um, Aish possibly could come in. I'm not sure where he's at in regards to how he pulled up, but uh, he played on the weekend and so did Jared Blair, but we never want to see him play AFL again. (laughs) So let's keep our fingers crossed that that never happens. Um, yeah, but hopefully more can play this week. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd, I don't see Fasolo and Elliot coming back. Fair enough. And Lizzie, what about for us? I know you said Townsend before, and granted you aren't too sure what happened last week. Who would you like <laughs> Townsend to come in for? Um, uh, very good question, um, <laughs> Marcus. <laughs> I, I think maybe perhaps to name him on the extended bench for now. Right, okay. Um, just see what and, happens during the week. And just, just give me time to catch up on the Fox video replay. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think he's got to come in for someone. Uh, probably, uh, Possibly more. I think more has a good run in it. But, you know, more... I'd be worried about playing more against Collingwood. I think someone like Howe could have an absolute field day on, on uh, more, where I think Townsend will... Play a much tighter role on him. Yeah, he's a lot more. He's very, he's a very dangerous um, intercept intercept marker. I reckon Liam Baker is a chance for a call up too in the VFL. He had another good game and um, was pretty much said that they're surprised he's still playing at VFL level. But I, I'm not too sure who, who would come in for. Like Minaju will probably get an extended run at it. So yeah, I don't know. He might have to just wait his time a little bit. But I wouldn't be shocked if we went in unchanged. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be against seeing Townsend come in. Uh, just a reminder, this game is dedicated to the Alana and Madeline Foundation, which is a partner of the Richmond Footy Club. It's uh, a cause to help children affected by violence and bullying. So if you do have any spare money, please feel free to donate at www.amf.org.au. I'm sure there'll be places around the ground to donate as well. Uh, before we let you guys go, we'll get a prediction from you both. Morg, start with you. What's your prediction for the game? Um, I'm going to be conservative. Um, I don't see us winning, um, but I'd like to think that we'll be competitive. Uh, We were pretty competitive when we first met you and kind of trailed away in the last quarter. Um, I'm hoping that this time we can uh, keep up and hopefully make it a bit more respectable. I'd say Richmond by 13. You don't have to tip us just because you're on a Richmond podcast. You can can back your boys (laughs) in. It's okay. I wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> Fair enough. And Lanzas, what's your prediction? Uh, Tigers were 20, 24 for mine. Yeah, I think it's going to play out very similar to last time, actually. I think it's going to be pretty close for three quarters, but I think we might get up by 15 to 18 points. But I think one way or another, it promises to be a cracking game, and it's a huge game because it's going to create some separation between whoever wins and the teams below us. So there's a lot on the line mm. for this game. 
And a reminder, the game is on Saturday at 1.45pm at the MCG. Um, make sure you get in early because it's going to be an absolute nightmare trying to get into that. Um, and I think that just about does it. So Morgan Ashley, the Lounge Lizard, thank you so much, guys, for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. Hopefully we see you again in September. I think we might, <laughs> and that will promise to be an absolutely monster game. Mm. All right, thanks again, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also, keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go, Tigers.